Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So last week, Rita gave a very good message. She gave a very good message. Can anyone remember what she talked about? Anyone remember what Rita talked about? Walking in the Spirit, yeah, amen. She talked about walking in the Spirit. Anyone, anyone else remember something? You must meditate on the Word, yeah. She gave four points. Rita shared four points on the importance of the written Word of God in connection with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah? And one of the points is that meditate on the words, yeah. Say again. Practice the word. Yeah, we need to practice the word. We need to do the word. Obey the word, yeah. And then the third point she said was give the word first place in your life. Yeah, and can anyone, anyone remember the fourth point? Instantly obey the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. No, the voice of the word. Amen. So the people that gave answers now, you will notice that they have something in their hands. It's called a notebook and a pen. <laughs> that is very important. <laughs> because that is how we learn. Alright? And we can go back to our notes and even if you just write down what Jesus is saying to you. Because that is important. Alright? That is why we stand here every Sunday. Why we preach. Because we want God to speak to your heart personally all right okay so one thing that stood out to me was that we cannot be spiritual people without the word of god we cannot be spiritual people without the word of god you can walk around praying in tongues all day you can imagine yourself to be a prayer warrior Uh, you can walk around with earphones in your head all day listening to gospel music come on um you can even be walking around healing the sick. But if you don't spend time in the Word of God, then you are not spiritual. You are fooling yourself. Alright? You are fooling yourself if you don't spend time with God and you think that you are spiritual. Alright? We cannot be spiritual without being scriptural. Alright? Um, you can get people that can quote the Bible from back to front but they don't have a relationship with God, that's just as bad. No? Yes. John 17 verse 3. John 17 verse 3. And this is life eternal. This is life eternal. What is it? This is it. No? That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So what is life eternal? That we know God. No? Welcome guys. Good to have you. Now, I know we we hear this verse a lot, and I preach about it a lot because that is because it is so important. It is so important. I would go as far as to say that it is the essence of Christianity. The essence of Christianity is your relationship with God. That is most most important. That is why we are all here this morning. That is why we go to church. That is why we believe. That is why we go to life group. 
That is why we read the Bible. Amen. That is why we pray. It's all about relationship with God. Amen? Amen. Eternal life is about knowing God the Father and Jesus Christ, like this verse says, whom He has sent. In fact, we know the Father through knowing. How do we know the Father? Through knowing? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus we look at Jesus' life and we get to know the Father. But how do we do this? How do we look at Jesus' life? The Word. To the Word. We cannot have a relationship with God apart from reading the Word. We have to get ourselves to that place where we read the Word. There's no other way. There's no other way to get to know Jesus. Amen. How will you know that He gave His life and He died on a cross and He rose after three days if you don't read the Word? How will you know that Jesus is a loving person if you don't go read the Word and you see how He, how he had compassion on the crowds and how He healed all of them? How will you know all of that if we don't read the Word? No? The Word is super, super important. Okay, there is no other way. The Bible is the only way. Amen. Okay, there are certain groups that would call themselves Christians, but they have left the Bible behind. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is very scary, actually. They call themselves Christians, but they have left the Bible behind. They choose which books from the Bible they want to read, and they leave others behind. Then you get groups also, um, they have made for themselves books that they read instead of the, instead of the Bible. And these books are usually written by some visionary or some prophet or apostle. Someone that says they've been visited by angels. No? Have you ever heard of these things? Yes. I've, I've had personal encounters with people like this that says angels visited us. And they gave our, our leader these amazing visions. And this is, this is what they teach. No? They claim to be visited by angels and they receive the most wonderful messages through visions and dreams. Um, Paul writes in Galatians 1 verse 8, you don't have to go there but write it down. Galatians 1 verse 8, even if we or an angel from heaven, even if we, the apostles, Paul is talking about him and the other apostles that walked with Jesus. Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you in the beginning, which is... Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, no? what He did for us yeah. on the cross, and not what we can do for Him. That's the gospel. Even if uh, um, an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. No? That's, quite, that's quite strong language for the Bible. <laughs> All right, that's, That was God, uh, Paul's strongest way to say, Get, stay away, stay away. And of course, they believe, these people, believe that they are living exceptionally holy lives. No? Yeah. And, that they are, and that they are saved. And they appear super spiritual. But the word says that we should consider their fruit. No? Yeah. Matthew 7 verse 15. Matthew 7 verse 15. Matthew 7 verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. fruit. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick 
grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles, can you? No, 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 we no. can't. No, impossible. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. All right. So there's there's some kind of there's a spiritual law that says that people cannot act contrary to what they believe for a very long time. You can fool people for so long. Yes. Yeah? You can fool people for a certain amount of time, but some or other time, your yeah. actions is going to be the same as what you believe. Yeah. Yes. You understand? Eventually, they cannot act contrary, opposite to what they believe for long. Somewhere, sometime, what you truly believe will bear fruit, and it will be clear to anyone in contact with them. So we don't have to fear false prophets. Yes. <laughs> you don't have to fear a false yes. prophet. Mm -hmm. You also don't have to wonder who is it, who is it, ne? because eventually we will see the fruit and we will know, aha, uh -huh, you've been found out. Ne? <laughs> I'm not talking about anyone here, of course. Okay. Um, what usually happens when we leave the true gospel behind is that we move away from relationship with God into religion. Listen to that, eh? What usually happens when we leave the true gospel behind, the gospel that Paul preached, mm -hmm. is that we move away from relationship with God. Alright? So if you see yourself or someone else moving away from relationship with God, you know that they have, they, they're forgetting a bit about grace, no? They're forgetting a bit about God's love for them. Alright? And they're moving into religion. What is religion? Can anyone tell me what religion is? Rule-keeping. Yeah, it's rule-keeping. Do this, do that, do this, do that. Ne? That's rule-keeping. <clears throat> and that's what religion is. And it's the opposite of grace. Amen? Yeah. Relationship um, with God is at its best when we know the grace of God. Amen. Relationship with God is at its best when we know the grace of God. You can write that down. That's very important. When we relate to God on the grounds of His love for us, His favor and His mercy towards us, yeah? and we realize that it is all undeserved and unconditional, then our relationship with God is going to be phenomenal. Alright? Your relationship with God will be phenomenal. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love spending time with God. If you see not your performance, but His performance, how much He loves you, how much He favors you. All right. So, am I making sense this morning? That's good. That's good. Um, so when we look at the opposite religion, religion pushes us away from God. Where grace calls us closer to God because we see His love for us, religion pushes us away from God. It does the opposite of what people think it does. Religion is focused on man's performance, trusting in your own works. This feels good. This feels good for a small while because we think, Oh, I'm Ola. I can do this. I can keep, I can, I've been reading the Bible every day, the whole week long. 
I've, I've gone to church, I've gone to life group, I've done this, I've done that, I gave to the poor, and you feel, you feel nice. You know? yeah. it, it's good for the flesh mm. to feel good, prideful. Eh? Yeah. But that is what it does, it makes you prideful. All right? mm-hmm. Because there is no life and relationship, it becomes eventually, you're going to wear out. Eh? Eventually you're going to wear out you're going to, it's, going to, it's going to become dry and dead. And it becomes something people do out of fear or ritual. They just do it because they do it. You know, there's no life in it. It's not even fun for them. But they do these things. And that is what religion is. And then you get also those ones that they just give up and say, well, this, this Christianity thing, this relationship with God thing, it doesn't work. No? And they, yes. they give up and they leave, alright? Religion leads to pridefulness, harsh treatment of others, comparing themselves with each other, bitterness, jealousy, all of those bad things. Okay. Yeah? Just look at the Pharisees. If you ever read the Gospels, yeah? Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, I, we did it recently. It's mind-boggling how, how these guys were. How they rejected Jesus, no? and it's because their hearts were so hard, so focused on the law, so focused on themselves, what they can get, that they 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 crucified Jesus, and they've been waiting for this King Jesus for a long, long time, but when he came, they rejected him because their hearts were hard. They were they were in religion, all right. Why do you think people treat other people so harshly? Why do you think people uh, condemn other people when they are in religion? Did I hear someone? Yeah, they don't know the love of God. Because they, they see God as this angry judge. Eh? That, that is their relationship with Him. They see Him as an angry judge. They, they think that He is harsh upon them. <laughs> so that is what they do for other people as well. Eh? They expect other people to also uh, perform for God. Amen. That is why they why they are like that. But we need to share the gospel with them. Eh? Okay. <clears throat> but Jesus said that his disciples will also be known by their fruit. Eh? Their disciples will also know his disciples will also be known by their fruit. And what do, you, what do you think is this fruit? Love, kindness, mercy, grace, all of those things. Eh? John 13, verse 35. John 13, John 13 verse 35 says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That is the fruit of a disciple. That is the fruit when you believe in Jesus. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love for others is is what we are identified by. And even unbelievers can recognize it. It says that the world, it will prove to the world 
So this is so that others can see that we are the believers, that we are children of God. All right. Um, when we say I true, when I say a true believer, I mean someone who believes and trusts in Jesus alone. Okay? Trust in Jesus alone for salvation. Yes. There is no pluses. Jesus plus church attendance. Jesus plus I must be water baptized. Jesus plus uh, doing this and keeping that. Jesus plus. Uh, trying my best to live holy even. No? Yes. If it's anything plus Jesus, then you know you're in, you're in dangerous territory. You're in danger of going into religion. All right. A true believer is someone that bears the fruit of love towards others, not just fellow believers. We give what we receive. For example, a glass of water. Yeah? If I have a glass of water here, and I make it full of water and I keep pouring and pouring, what's going to happen? It's going to overflow. Yeah? And that is what we must do in our relationship with Him. As we, as we allow Him to pour into us His love, as we receive His love, eventually we will overflow. Now the opposite, if I take a glass and I throw poison in the glass and I keep throwing, what's going to happen? The same thing. The same thing is going to overflow, but it's going to overflow with poison, eh? So, it's the same concept. Legalistic and judgmental people are like that, because that is what they fill themselves with. Alright? Someone that meditates on the love of God is someone that will eventually overflow with love towards others. Alright? Many times we want to focus on the fruit. We want to see the good fruit in our lives. We want to see patience, we want to see love, we want to see joy in our life, and we focus on getting all of this, and we start trying and working for it, no? we start thinking, how can, how can we do this, how can I make this come forth, but instead of focusing on the fruit, just focus on relationship with God, alright, just focus on relationship and the fruit will come, alright, so we can't truly be spiritual, or spiritually mature without the Word. But that doesn't mean that we can push the gifts of the Holy Spirit aside, because you get that, that group as well, no? You get the group that is super spiritual, or pretending to be super spiritual, but they don't have the Word, and then you get the other group that is, they focus so much on the Scriptures, they know it from back to front, but they, they, they reject the Holy Spirit. They say that it's, it's, it's all in the past. Uh, the Holy Spirit uh, functioned in the lives of the Apostles because it was that time. No? Okay. And they, they push the Holy Spirit and His gifts, they push Him aside. You get people that hold very tightly to the Bible, but they want nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. I don't know where they get confused, but many believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, miracles, healing, signs and wonders, stopped in the book of Acts. So, they live powerless and defeated lives. If you want to hear about a life that is victory, life living in victory, come to Grace Life, alright? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Just so in the week, true. there's so many testimonies come, coming yes. from, from, from our groups and mm -hmm. in the week and in church. Um, yes. Just a, a very simple example. In the week, my hand was very sore. Mm -hmm. eh? My hand was sore, and when I gripped something, it, it hurt my hand. And I just said, I just realized, well, Jesus is in me. The life of God is in me. 
And he says that believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And I said, and be healed in Jesus' name. And instantly, instantly, no, no pain in my hand. No? That is the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what happens when we believe. No? So many people, problems in their lives. Pray to God, problem solved. Amen? But these guys, um, they hold to the word. But like I said earlier, they choose only which books they want to read. They don't read uh, the, the books of uh, Paul, the letters of Paul to the churches. They don't read the Gospels. They hold to the Old Testament. Um, they live powerless lives. No? Yeah. All right. I think it comes back to religion once again. They study the word, but the focus is on their performance. They are constantly in search of what they must do. It is not with the motive of relationship with Him. What I have noticed with this group of people is that they usually only read the Old Testament and a bit of the Gospels, but they stay away from Acts and the letters of Paul. So we cannot truly be spiritual without the Word of God. If you truly study and believe the entire Word, the entire Word, eh? you truly study, you read, and you believe it, eh? you will be spiritual and you will grow. And you will mature. Alright. And I don't know why they would want to, to push aside the Holy Spirit. Eh? Because the Bible gives us the big picture. The history between man and God. And the whole story builds up to this high point. Eh? Yes. Have you ever seen a movie? I'm sure you all watch movies. Eh? You, you watch the movie and uh, say it's a, it's a mystery movie. It builds up and it builds up. And then it comes to a point where all is now going to be revealed. It's a high point of the movie. This is what the Holy Spirit is for us as well. It is the high point. Alright, it's the climax. It is the most important point. It is what it is all about. And that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which is... God, eh? we all agree that the Holy Spirit is God. Yes. It is God in man. It is God in you. That is what it's all about, guys. <laughs> that is the icing on the cake. That is the icing on the cake. Alright. It is the Holy Spirit, His fruit in our lives, His anointing and empowering. His gifts is what it is all about. It is the icing on the cake. It is the relationship and unity of us and God. His spirit on the inside of us. It's doing life with God. Just, just take a moment and think about that. You have God on the inside of you. If you believe. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And He wants to empower you to live a phenomenal life. To live a life of victory. Colossians 1 verse 24. Colossians 1 verse 24. We've looked at these verses many times and it's so good. You understand what I say when I, when I say that the Holy Spirit is the top point of the Christian life. It is what it's all about. Right? You understand? I'll explain further now. Colossians 1 verse 24. 
Colossians 1 verse 24. It's Paul speaking, he's writing to the, the Colossian church. Uh, and he says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. This is Paul speaking to the church. For I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. He's talking about persecution, alright? He's not talking about suffering for your sin. He's not talking about suffering for disease or anything like that. He's talking about persecution, alright? You know what persecution is? It's people following Christians, persecuting Christians, um, trying to, to get us down, trying to kill Christians. That's what persecution is. Alright, there's people coming against the gospel. Alright. So what is persecution? Yeah, people coming against the gospel. Alright. Um, God has given me, verse 25, God has given me the responsibility of serving His church by proclaiming His entire message to you. Verse 26, this message was kept secret for centuries and generations past. For centuries and generations past, this secret was kept. It's, I'm talk like that movie that we talked about, man. The movie starts and only at this certain point it gets revealed. So, uh, this secret was kept for centuries and generations. That's since the beginning of the world. Né? But now it has been revealed to God's people. Verse 27. For God wanted them to know that the riches, that's awesome, the riches and the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. That's us. We're not from the tribe of Israel, no? Uh, we're not Jewish. Uh, the Gentiles, we are the Gentiles. Amen. And this is the secret. This is the big secret that God waited to, to show us. This is the top point of Christian life. This is, this is the, the, uh, the pinnacle, the top point, alright? This is what it's all about. And it says, what? Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's awesome. Say it with me. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Amen. This gives you assurance of sharing His glory. Verse 28. So we tell others about Christ. Actually, I want to highlight that word. So. So we tell others about Christ. No? Because we've got something good. We've got something very good. So, we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. Because we are perfect in our relationship to Christ. Amen? Why, if we are perfect in our relationship with Christ, would we not want to share that with other people? No? That is why I work and struggle so hard. This is, remember, this is Paul the Apostle speaking. That is why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power. Paul wouldn't have been able to do this, no? He would not have been able to share the gospel. He would not have been able to stand up after uh, a group of people stoned him to nearly to death, no? He wouldn't have gotten up uh, after they whipped him no? in the public square. If it wasn't for Christ's mighty power. 
that worked within me. Paul knew he had to depend on the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love these verses. It's basically saying, hey guys, are you looking for the meaning and the purpose of life? You've heard many people say that, right? What is the meaning of life? Why are we all here? No? Don't you want to know why the universe exists? Here is the answer to the biggest secret of all times. Christ in me. Christ in me. We need to think about this. This is deep. Alright? <laughs> and it's profound. God with man and man one with God. One, God one with man and man one with God. Just think about how different our lives will look when we grasp this. How different will we act towards challenges and the enemy that comes against us. Think about it. Eh? If you change the way you think about yourself, if you see Christ in you, His Spirit on the inside of you, you are seated at the right hand of God in heavenly places in Christ. How will that change the way your normal day looks? Eh? I think it will be drastically different. And I, I'm probably even pre preaching to the choir this morning. But it's good. Amen. How differently will we see others and ourselves? How differently will we see and treat other people as well? If you believe in Jesus, raise your hand. Hallelujah. Everyone. Everyone believes in Jesus here. That's good. That's good. Because we can change the world. If we see ourselves as Jesus, if we see Jesus in us, when we walk out those doors, the world will be changed. Alright? I hope you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I hope. Sometimes I struggle to grasp this. Sometimes I struggle to grasp this as well. We, we go to other things instead of Jesus. We, we, look to we look for solutions to problems in our lives in other places and not with the one on the inside of us, the creator of the universe. It's easy to get distracted, but when we truly realize this, our lives will be different. I said this already, but I'm going to read it again. Right now, and I want you to imagine this, because this is the truth. Right now, you are seated in Christ at the right hand of God. Because that is what the Word says. No? The Word says that Christ is seated at the right hand of God in heavenly places after He ascended to God. No? And it says here that Christ is in you. So that means that that is where you are as well. You are seated in the heavenly places, in the Spirit. That is what I'm talking about. Ne? That is our spiritual reality. Yeah. In the Spirit, you are at the right hand of God. In the place of ultimate authority. Amen. You are one with the Ancient of Days. The Alpha and the Omega that we worship here on Sundays. Yeah. The Alpha and the Omega is on the inside of you. Huh? That's awesome. Beautiful. Why? Because Christ lives in you. Yeah. It's amazing. 
We need to meditate on this truth. Mankind's union with God is, is what it is all about. If we believe this, if these truths become our conviction, our lives will look different, drastically different. Alright? So now we're going to look at our inheritance. Our inheritance. Alright? Ephesians 1 verse 3. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Ephesians 1 verse 3, number 3, in verse 3, says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. This is awesome. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Did you get that? You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ. Once again, that unity with Christ. No? We have every single blessing in heaven. Think about that. We have every single blessing in heaven. God is not holding anything else from us. It has all been made available to us. The Father did not hold anything back. There isn't a spiritual blessing in heaven that He held back. No? And it is all because of our unity with Christ through the Holy Spirit. Alright. Do you see how it is all connected to having the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? No? Yes. It's all got to do with the Holy Spirit. Christ in us is, the, is only possible through the Holy Spirit. Christ in us is only possible through the Holy Spirit. That is how He is in us and how we are in Him. Unity with God comes through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alright. Now we can also understand why Jesus says it is better for us. He said to His disciples, it is better for you that I go away. No? You remember that? So that the Holy Spirit can be poured out. Jesus knew. It's not the pinnacle. It's not the, it's not the top point of the story yet. No? Better is still to come. Alright? Jesus uh, was not the end of the story. It would have been incomplete if the, if the Holy Spirit was not poured out. The Holy Spirit in man is God's masterpiece. The new creation. The new creature. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. I think this is what it's talking about. No? 2 Corinthians 5 17 talks about uh, Therefore, or this is what it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... Listen to those words. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. That's awesome. This is what it's all about, guys. You might not see it in the mirror when you look at your outward appearance. No? But in your spirit, in your spirit, His life, His spirit has made its dwelling place. Alright? The new creation, that is what... That is the point to which God worked. That was His plan. His master plan that He wanted to reveal at just the right time. God inside of us. He made us new creatures, new beings. Alright. Before that, man did not have God's Spirit on the inside of him. 
No? Did you know that? Man did not have God's spirit on the inside of him. Not now. The new creation. Okay, uh, if, uh, where were we? Ephesians 1 verse 4. Ephesians 1 verse 4. Even before he made the world, listen to that. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Huh? God loved us and chose us. In Christ, once again, in Christ, to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Sure, that's awesome. Once again, we see that unity with God is what the plan was all along. All right. Think about this. Thousands of years ago when nothing existed, only God existed. No? He thought of you. He loved you and He chose you. Amen. He says it. Even before the... I'm reading again from uh, Ephesians 1 verse 4. Even before He made the world, God loved us. Put your name in there. God loved Anthea. God loved Daniel. God loved you, Anita. Each one of your names. Put your name there. And think about it. <laughs> Even Maki, yeah. Even Maki. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what you did in your life. When nothing existed, if you close your eyes, you can imagine it. An empty space. Nothing existed. Only God. He thought of you. He thought your name. He loved you and He chose you. That's, that, that makes you feel good. <laughs> um, he wanted you as His child. Sorry? Yeah. Who said you are insignificant when God says you are so much? He wanted you as His child. He wanted to be united with you. He wanted to be one with you. Sure. And I've thought about this many times. Um, he saw that he saw what would happen in the world no? he saw that Satan would rebel he saw that man would fall no? in the garden of Eden he saw sin and death and I asked and I thought Lord you knew all of this is going to happen and it's just like he said you were worth it you are worth it think about that Yes. Amen. God Himself said, I am willing to go live among them. I am willing to die for them. And then I will pour my spirit into them and we will be one. That's awesome. Sure. And at the same time, sin and rebellion and death will also be defeated. Yes. That's awesome. Okay, Ephesians uh, 1 verse 6. So we praise God for the glorious grace for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. Verse 7, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He has showered His kindness on us. <laughs> God has showered His kindness on you. He has poured out 
not biki uh, biki drapuki drapuki one for you one for you he has poured out like a bucket you are soaking wet with his grace huh? he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding how can you see God as an angry judgmental judge after reading that huh? how can you see him as that and what I noticed from these verses, firstly, is that it is all Him. It is His kindness and His grace. He is the one reaching out. No? He, he, he took the first step. You know when you have a fight with someone, you're both angry at each other, but you know you're going to have to make up. No? But I don't really and you don't really. But someone has to make the first, the first step. No? Otherwise we're never going to reconcile. This is what God did. He took the first step. No? He took the first step. Yeah, he was right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. He was completely right. And we were the ones who were in the wrong. Definitely. Yeah. And we didn't even realize that as well. Yeah, anyway cool thoughts. Let me just see. What makes you think that your mistakes can change his heart towards you after you read that? We don't have to earn his love. He has already poured it out, showered us with it. I like those words. It talks about overabundance, more than enough. And of course, forgiveness also stands out here. All the sin you have ever done and will do is forgiven. Have you ever heard about that? All the sin you have done, all the sin you will do, is already forgiven. Sin, it's all forgiven. Think about what that means. Are you all okay still? Yes. Yes. I'm afraid that you start falling asleep yeah yeah I wonder maybe we should do some jumping jacks or something yeah stand up stand up <laughs> just stretch a bit there we go yes Thank you, Philip. I do a lot of that sometimes. Alright, we almost finished. We almost finished, but this is good. Oh, awesome. This is good. Even if I have to say so myself. It doesn't come from me, it comes from God. Okay, Ephesians 1, verse 9. Ephesians 1, verse 9. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ. That's, that's awesome. Which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. I like how straightforward it is. Eh? At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Verse 11. Furthermore, because once again we are united with Christ. We have received an inheritance from God. For He chose us in advance 
and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Guys, can you agree with me? <laughs> Sorry. Amen. Yeah. Oh. Amen. <laughs> this Jesus was plan A. No? Jesus was plan A. You know what I'm talking about. No? And once again, we read that it is through our unity with Christ that we have an inheritance from God. Verse 11 makes it clear. Uh, it says in verse 11, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance. Okay. Who likes inheritance? I would like to have an inheritance. No? Inheritances are good. All right. <laughs> yeah. Even if you don't have an, an earthly inheritance, even if you're not uh, inheriting any money from your parents or whatever, you've got the best inheritance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. No worries. It is awesome. Yeah. Ephesians 1 verse 12. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. Verse 13. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. Not I save myself, God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. Okay? And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's awesome. Whom He promised long ago. So if you are here today sitting, wondering, Do I have the Holy Spirit? I haven't spoken in tongues yet. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I don't feel so spiritual. Maybe I don't have the Holy Spirit. That is not true, no? Because here we read, And when you believe in Christ, no? He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit. Whom He promised long ago. So if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. Alright. Yeah, Ephesians 1 verse 13. Verse 14 says, The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we could praise and glorify Him. This is so simple, and we hear it so many times, but this truth changes lives. How do we get access to this great inheritance? The answer is in verse 13. How do we get access to this great inheritance? From the Holy Spirit, yeah. We hear the truth, the good news that God saves us, and that single thing is necessary. We believing in Christ. We believing the gospel. Yeah? That is how we get the inheritance that He promised us. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? 
it is more than just believing that he existed. Ne? It is more than just believing that Jesus existed. It is more than believing that he is the Son of God. The demons, the demons also believe that, ne? and they tremble. Believing in Jesus means that you trust in him and what he did on your behalf. That his sacrifice was enough. Ne? Trusting no longer in your goodness and performance, but in what he has already accomplished on your behalf. And now I lost my place. What he accomplished on your behalf. Where am I now? <laughs> yes, I see. Yeah. Trusting no longer in your goodness and performance, but in what he has already accomplished on your behalf. To move your focus from yourself and keeping your eyes firmly on Jesus. That is what believing in Jesus means. Alright. Okay, so what is our inheritance? What is our inheritance? This is the last portion of my message, guys. Just hold on. We're almost finished. What is um, our inheritance? I can't hear you. Life eternal. Life eternal, yeah. Life eternal. It's simple, no? Yeah, to know Him. Hebrews 9 verse 15. Hebrews 9 verse 15. Therefore, He, this is Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. I like that. Receive the promised eternal, eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred, that is Jesus' death on the cross, that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant, under the law. No? So this scripture is talking about Jesus, whose death saves us from our sins. And by faith alone we receive the promised eternal inheritance. So we learn from this verse that our inheritance is eternal. No? Eternal. Our inheritance is not temporary. You know the difference, eh? Eternal goes on forever. It lasts for eternity. Eternal. It's not temporary. Yeah. Some people inherit great wealth, and that is awesome. There is nothing wrong with that. But that inheritance has an end to it. Even though you inherit 10 billion, let's call it dollars, that, that, that can only go so far. No? It can be exhausted, it can be lost, it can be wasted. No? And it cannot be taken with you to heaven. Alright. First Peter one verse three. First Peter one verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. Beautiful. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then it goes on and it describes our inheritance. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. For who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's a lot. Right? 
sometimes we need to read it again. Mm. But for time's sake, I'm not going to read it again. Mm. Once again, we see here that it is the Holy Spirit that we get to share in the inheritance. It is thanks to the Holy Spirit that we get the inheritance. Where do I get that? It says, He has caused us to be born again. Did you know that you cannot be born again without the Holy Spirit? If Jesus didn't pour out the Holy Spirit, we would not have been able to be born again. Okay. But these four verses give us descriptions of our inheritance. The first one is that our inheritance is imperishable. Imperishable. That's in verse 4. 1 Peter 1 verse 4. It says, To an inheritance that is imperishable. So the word perish means to die. Alright, the word perish means to die, to wear out. Uh, if you're talking about food, it can rot. Mm. Yeah? Food can rot, things can fall apart. Imperishable, uh, when you talk about a human, it means like you can grow old and eventually die. Alright, um, like we said earlier, it is not eternal. Alright, that is what imperishable means. It cannot, it cannot wear out, it cannot rot, it cannot fall apart, it cannot grow old. Alright, Matthew 6 verse 19. Matthew 6 verse 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So Matthew 6 verse 19 yes. is a good example of something that is imperishable. We know the treasures it speaks of here is the souls of people, no? Yes. When it says store up treasures in heaven, it's not uh, make sure your car is in heaven. It's not make sure this or that is in heaven, that you bury it with you. That can't happen, eh? It means the souls of people. Yes. Because only the souls of people can live on for eternity. Amen. 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 First Peter, First Peter 1 verse 23. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. No, that is imperishable. Not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever. Because it comes from the eternal living word of God. That is so awesome. The new life that God has put on the inside of us is life that never fades. Life that never fades because it comes from the living word. We have the source of life on the inside of us. It's like having a small nuclear power station at your house. You don't have to rely on ESCOM there in, uh, is it Kuber, no? That Kuber nuclear power station? All the way there to all the wires. It's like you having a little nuclear power station here with you. That is what it's like. Here's life on the inside of you. Alright, so that is what it means that it is imperishable. Okay, uh, this. Okay, the second one is uh, that our inheritance is undefiled or unspoiled. Undefiled or unspoiled. That means that our inheritance can't be ruined uh, or made less glorious. Nothing can change its value. No? Nothing on earth is perfect. Even the most beautiful things of this world 
are flawed. We look, yeah. if we look closely enough, we can see mistakes in, any, in, in even the most beautiful thing on earth. We can always find an imperfection, but Christ is truly perfect. Amen? I'm almost finished, guys. Hebrews 7 verse 26. Hebrews 7 verse 26. He is the kind of high priest, talking about Jesus, we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. And just as he is, so are we in this world. No? Our inheritance is that we share in the nature of God. Our inheritance makes us holy and blameless. We cannot be stained by sin. No? That's, a, that's another big thought that we need to think about. We have been set apart and, his, and, and we are his special possession. And it is all thanks to the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. All right. The third one is that our inheritance is unfading, unfading, meaning it cannot fade. No? That's straightforward. Think about your favorite clothes for a moment. Maybe they are the clothes that you have on. No? Think about your favorite clothes. When you bought it, the colors were bright and vibrant. The colors were bright and vibrant. And after a year of washing and wearing every week, you see that it loses its color. No? It loses its color. Tiny holes start to form. And it wears out. And when the color fades, our excitement fades as well. No? Yeah. So this is what it's talking about. Our inheritance, eternal life, is not like that. It cannot fade. It never decreases in value. All right? Eternal life will forever be the most important, most essential thing to have. All right. Then the fourth one, and the last one. <coughs> yeah. Uh, is that our inheritance is being reserved. This is probably the most important one. Yeah. Our inheritance is being reserved, which means to be kept safe, to be guarded for us. Put it very simply, you cannot lose your eternal inheritance because you are not the one guarding it. That's a good thought. Huh? You are not the one guarding your inheritance. God is guarding your inheritance. And it's, I think he says, with his power. Who knows that God's power is limitless. And with that limitless power, he is guarding your inheritance. That's awesome. Verses 4 and 5 say that it is being kept in heaven, guarded and kept safe by God's power. So many Christians live in fear of losing their salvation when they make mistakes and sin. God knows that we will make mistakes on earth while we are busy renewing our minds. Mm -hmm. no? We make mistakes because we are still renewing our minds. Amen. Amen. We are still learning who we are in Christ. That is why He is the one keeping us safe. If you are a believer, you are eternally secure. Alright? 2 Corinthians 2, sorry, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 22. And He has identified us as His own. This is also beautiful. He has identified us as His own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment. That's what you were talking about, Rita. 
as the first installment that guarantees everything He has promised us. So, He says, here's some now, and you'll get the rest later. You know what I'm talking about? And here we are back at Ephesians. We read the scripture earlier. The Holy Spirit in us is the first portion of our inheritance. And He guarantees that we have eternal life. If this, what we have in the Holy Spirit, being in Christ in this life, is only the first installment. Think about how glorious it's going to be when we're in heaven. Eh? Amen. Think about how glorious and how wonderful it's going to be when Jesus returns. That's awesome. Ephesians 1 verse 13, the last scripture. Ephesians 1 verse 13. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. Verse 14. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised. And that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify Him. This is so beautiful, eh? Amen. Yeah. God has identified you as His own. God says, you are mine. You have my spirit. We are one. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.